Yeah, so it actually wouldn't even be Lord necessarily. He could be like the sixth Earl of Eggington. Yeah. Oh, so God. Something that nature, yes. Can I suggest we make a family tree for Lord Eggington at this point? I am currently trying to construct a family tree for something else. I really don't <laughs> need a, 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 another one. <laughs> so I'll leave I it can, to you. I can take care of the... We'll use the ancestry numbers. tools and then we'll just put them on an ancestry and oh see gosh. how many people I, accidentally... Because the question is how far back does it stretch? I, I expect a heraldic crest of some sort. Yes. I can draw that. <laughs> yeah, how far back does it stretch? Because, you know... Yeah, like at what point? It's gonna have it, a at what on point it. did the sovereign bestow mm-hmm. the title and the lands? Yes, and what did the first? It goes all the way back to King Alfred, what the, did the first, first of England. Oh, are you kidding me? Do you realize how powerful Lord Eggington would be if that were the case? <laughs> yes. The royals didn't even have a line that stretched that. But far what if back. there were some chaotic times, like the Dark Ages? <laughs> the, the Eggington line got scrambled. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And without further ado, bad <laughs> joke segue right into episode forty. Oh. Seriously, that was the we have forty today. Segue ever. Wow, forty. Okay. You can already tell, like the royal watchers from the nod and like yes. two minute yes, intro that we've uh, had. I yep, haven't like, seen oh, anything. So, dear listeners, today's episode, if you haven't Caught detected, is about downtown Abbey. Uh, um, how would they have guessed um, that from how we let into this? But also, I'm sorry, what? What? Wait, downtown it's Abbey. about what? Downtown Abbey. No. no. What? <laughs> downtown I know that's your street name, but... Abbey, to clarify for all of you people. Thanks for clarifying for us peasants. I really hope somebody heard, but I just I can't do it. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I did hear that. I, ho- I hope it cuts through on the recording. I do too. What's to hilarious to me is all the fans who refer to it as downtown, despite the fact that that show does everything in the world to say the word Downton every episode about fifty times. Yeah. Just what about to the drive legacy home. of Downton. Yeah. There's barely a downtown in the village of Downton. <laughs> right. <laughs> However, before we dive too deep into the topic at hand, I think Lord Eggington's caretaker should go forth first. And describe what he is reading, watching, or playing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in mourning. <laughs> You're in mourning? Why are you in mourning, Grant? Oh, you finished, you finished Why reading you Absalom, Absalom, didn't you? No, I haven't. Oh. I'm still working on okay. it. Why are you in mourning? Why? Because Lord Eggington's dead. Oh, that's right. I Everybody insists on bringing him back and back. <laughs> I forgot he died. It's but like isn't there a, like a another situation. Lord Eggington? Or did <laughs> the line the... is broken! Oh, it, it got scrambled! It went there bankrupt. Were, there were no direct male descendants, and the, the entail was just a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> he went down on the Titanic. <laughs> and all of the daughters were lesbians. Continue! <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I'm tired, but also I'm still reading Absalom, Absalom. And I realized that last time I didn't really talk about the plot of it. Okay. So it, there little, is little, one. There, oh, there's a plot. There's a lot of stuff going on. Oh, okay. Um, Faulkner doesn't strike me as a plot person, but well, tell me. In some ways, yes. Some some ways, no. I mean, it's about a, so in a microcosmic sort of sense, it's it's covering the rise and fall of this guy called Thomas Sutpen, hmm. who shows up into this um, county sometime before the Civil War, and just a whole bunch of weird stuff goes on. Um, However, on a larger scale, it's about the rise and fall of the Old South. Um, <laughs> you know, the moral vacuity of that whole society. Uh-huh. Um, 
and uh, I don't know, it's just a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's really good. Um, Honestly, it sounds compelling. Yeah, it's told from from a few different narrators. Um, it's not like Rashomon or whatever, where <laughs> you'll see, you know, where, where like you'll get the same thing over and over from different, oh, okay. different perspectives. It's right. more like you get different parts of the story from different okay. people as you go along, and then it builds a larger picture. Oh, so it's very similar to what I'm reading right <coughs> now. Yes. Well, we might as well move on. What are you reading? Yes, so I finally done it, and I'm actually glad I started. Um, I am okay. currently reading physical, physically, the physical copy <laughs> of A Game of Thrones by George R.R. <laughs> R. R. Martin. If you made it through the prologue um, and we're still willing to keep going, I salute you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, like, the prologue always stopped me before. So then I watched <laughs> the show. kind of sucks. I watched the whole show, and then I'm like, oh, okay, so I get how this is going to go. I know the prologue is kind of going to be like, eh. And, but after a page, I was like, oh, I don't mind this prologue. It's not bad. Um, and it is mercifully short compared to Robert Jordan's um, prologues. So, um, got through it, it was good, you know, did its thing, but the real sauce is in those chapters. God, that man can, he's a genius. He's a ridiculous technical genius. He deserves all of the accolades, and it makes me sick to say that, because I'm only 60 pages in, and I'm like, I hate how good you are. I am, I'm taking notes, um, which I don't do, easily. Um, and then I'm also reading, or listening to, actually, the audiobook for another book, which is really good. It's called The Steel Remains by Richard K. Morgan, and it's also an epic fantasy in which these three heroes live in a land and they do things and, you know, lots of killing. It's an epic fantasy, okay. Yeah, lots of killing, lots of sexing, lots of both. <laughs> No, I haven't it's gotten a to a, Yeah, I haven't gotten to a scene where it's happening at the same time, but this author strikes me as the kind of author who would try to make that happen at the same time. Just and it time. it's so well written that I I would lean in. Like I'd be like, Wow, you made that work. So, you know, it's good. Okay. So far. You'll have to let us know if that gets there. It's demented, but in a lovely way. Arid. <laughs> I have a list. Okay. Uh, I'm currently doing multiple things at once because, you know, when am I not? Um, I'm skimming through The Sparrow because book club. Book um, club. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's, I want to suffer. Yeah. Have you joined Death Pitch book club yet? You should. Yeah. Um, and then it's on my list. Uh, I, I'm currently finishing this and then I'm going to finish it. I'm going to start reading Empire Dirt. Nice. Because um, Jen gave me her copy. My what? My arc of Empire of Dirt by Francesca Manfredi. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, that one. Okay, got it. Yes. And then, uh, manga-wise, I actually have it in my hand. Uh, I'm going to pretend that it's not called Pitchy Pitchy Pitch, and I'm going to call it Mermaid Melody, which is, you know, what the anime is called. Oh. Um, <laughs> and it's basically about a girl named Lucia, and she is a mermaid princess, and she's tr currently trying to find all seven pearls, seven oh. pearls, seven seas, uh -huh. because all of them are different mermaid. And they're trying to save the world from, you know, dying. But at the same time, she's in love with the local surfer boy in her school. And so it's kind of adorable. But also at the same time, I'm like, this is everything I love in life. And then I'm also playing Celesta, Crown of the Magister, which is kind of like a D&D &D style kind of game. Oh, cool. It's a CRPG, which is obviously d 
D&D style, but not exactly. There's not a lot of role-playing elements in there. You can create your characters. You can go yeah. do things. The writing's a little bit lackluster, but, like, I'm still getting a kick out of it. <laughs> of course it. it is. It's an RPG. <laughs> There's literally a whole entire sequence right now. Um, you get a crown, and this crown is... Uh, Apparently, the crown of the magister, you know, obviously, name on the tin. Mm -hmm. But it's like there's gemstones that are in pieces, and you have to find all the gemstones to be able to defeat this, like, lizard people who have come in. And um, context, there were humans on another planet and elves on another planet, and the lizard people attacked the humans, and the humans were forced to move into the elf people planet. And, um, <laughs> sure. So now the lizard people are back because they aren't done yet, and um, the rift is now reopened or something like that, and you have to go do that. Um, I'm currently in a volcano world where there are orcs, huh. um, and I literally had a whole entire conversation with one of my characters, like they had a conversation with each other, about uh, the word for non-orc in orcish language and piece of uh, blank. Mm -hmm in orcish language and one of the characters can speak orcish and so they were fighting over it for a good like five ten minutes <laughs> it was the most hilarious thing i've ever seen that's funny and that's you know what i'm doing nice Jen, okay job. i literally just before work this morning finished reading bloomsbury girls by natalie jenner oh, you finished that already yes we gave it to you like monday yes you did and <laughs> <laughs> it took you that long yeah i had to work yeah. <laughs> But it was good. There were a couple of moments where I felt like a lot of the character moments were being told more than they were shown, but I really loved the three main characters. We're all uh, different employees at a bookshop in Bloomsbury in 1950, like Ooh. right post-war. A lot of sort of like, you know, women <coughs> trying to figure out their place in the new society after, you know, after everyone stepped up during the war and then they were all told to go back in their box when all the men came home. <laughs> so that was good. Very satisfying. Nice. And then I'm starting a reread of Daisy Jones and the Six. Ooh. Oh, cool! Nice. That was a great audiobook too. I can uh, yeah, because it would, it's an oral history, so it would lend itself very. And I'm trying to think like it, it won. I'm trying to think which Audis category it won. I, it might have been in the running for. No, it didn't win the best audiobook of the year, but it had some really really amazing competition. Yeah, if you've um, ever wanted fictional, vaguely Fleetwood Mac esque band shenanigans. Yeah. With one of Taylor Jenkins Reid's signature, like, last 85%, here's a plot twist you would have never seen coming kind of moments, this is for you. Same thing happened in Evelyn Hugo. Nice. By Fleetwood Mac, uh, like, ask, do you, do you mean everybody's involved with each other? Yes. You know, okay. They, they write this one absolute blockbuster album, and then they immediately break up, like, two years afterwards. Now I have You Can Go Your Own Way stuck in my head. Thanks a lot. Yeah. There was a moment where you had to, in the audiobook, you almost, the way it was written, because I haven't actually physically opened the book, I've just listened to it, but like, until you're, you're, uh, your ears attuned to like, the different different voices, because a couple of them in the audiobook sound similar, oh, sure, yeah. that you're just like, what is going on? Like, who is who? Because yeah. they don't do a good job. I don't yeah, know the much book. In the, the book's written like it's an oral history, so it's like script style. Like, Daisy says, no, 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 Billy. Camila, like all of them had their names at the beginning of each line. That, that would make it a so little bit easier. easier to, sometimes you forget yeah. like who's who in regards to like every member of the six has their own perspective. And so sometimes yeah. I'm like, wait, were you the drummer or the bassist? But Right, yeah. Andy. I am reading. Actually, I do, do got to give a shout out. Just current event-ish related kind of stuff. Even the book came out like three years ago. Hood Feminism um, oh, yeah. by Mickey. 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 Mickey? Yeah. I had Mickey to look at it. 
Um, Mickey Kendall, um, she's great narrator as well for the book. Um, it'll leave you angry. Um, <laughs> I'm always angry. At I don't know what you're talking the about. The incredible supreme overlord. Maybe over just here. a little, you know. Um, yeah. But no, that was really, really quite a wonderful book. A um, lot to learn, a lot to get frustrated at. Yeah. I'm based on uh, Emily Chase's recommendation. I'm reading um, The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's, Yay! It, it's, Everyone did. There are there Holly's a few little good. things in there, like right off, that are a couple little things that are bugging me a tiny, tiny bit, but I can't even remember what they are right now. I have to be experienced, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. But like overall, it's a very, very delicious um, fantasy that kind of plays on the whole idea that the, the different fantasy races have like different realms. Like we're in the fairy right now. Mm-hmm. And we're dealing with like, and, and it's it's wonderful like the way each fairy manifests a little bit differently. Like one may have more of a, a bestial aspect, or one might more have more of a like appearance of someone that has like f- plant life or vegetation growing on them, and mm-hmm. all of them smell a little differently. And then there are these human siblings that are being raised by one of the, and I, I keep wanting to call them fae because I play D and D, but one of the fairy um, generals and... I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's really quite fun. I'm about three and a half hours from being finished. Uh, um, the doo-doo hit the fan. Yep. And it's... it's Stuff's going bonkers right now. And it's, of course, if they turn into a romantic interest, I will be a little upset. It thrusts together the uh, dire enemies of the teen I realm. Am- 100% sure that this series ends with them being like a very twisted power couple. I'm pretty sure that is the entire I'm pretty point. sure it's enemies to lovers going on here. Yeah. Like, that, nobody ever said it was healthy. Yeah, no. But, like, I'm pretty sure if I... I only ever read the first one, but I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. Oh. They are the point. Okay. Okay. Oh. Okay, that's good to know. I love Holly. Um, <laughs> I'm... I don't know. I'm not really reading anything else right now. I'm just, like, going through that. I am playing the living heck out of Grand Theft Auto V because I've been on that kick for a <laughs> I needed something, and this is giving me exactly what I want. Every time I go on Discord, I so see him playing it, and I just go, okay. And it's, an, it's a despicably awful game. There's so much wrong with it. It's vile. It shouldn't exist. And I love it. Um, I mean, it's a video game. That's the point. Right? Um, <laughs> You're not actually robbing people because you can do it virtually. Which, which is actually kind of funny. Like, I don't, other than the, a lot of the story elements, unless there's an achievement attached to, like, certain more vi- Like, it's, like, weird little dynamic in this game because, like, I play, like, Star Wars games where you have a, you can go light side or dark side. I can never go dark side because I don't want to be evil. I want to be good. I don't want to be bad. And here I am playing Grand Theft Auto. That is so weird. Whenever I'm in Lord of the Rings, I love playing as an orc because I like hearing the dying screams of the humans because I'm an orc. <laughs> like, they pissed me off. You shouldn't have killed my orc cousin. I'm going to kill you. Like, there's always a justification. Come on. But yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm doing. I um, considered speaking to someone about this. <laughs> It's a oh. video game. That's the point. In full fairness, so I do at the end of it. Whenever I save my game for the night, and I'm about ready to sign off. Um, I do find a place where I can just start unloading all of my ammunition on the unsuspecting populace to see how many stars <laughs> I can get, how many cops I can get after me before I'm like, when it gets to like a fevered pitch, I'm like I know there's no way I can win. Then I'm like, okay, power down. See. See, that's basically my whole play style. Like, I've never beaten the campaign. I just screw around. <laughs> See how long That's literally me playing Saints Row every single day. I love it. So, 
moving on. We're gonna go into some more regal things. This is. <laughs> oh, I, 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 <laughs> some of us are gonna take a, a figurative backseat, maybe even a literal backseat, because mm. this is really the Jen and Tony show. <laughs> <laughs> Did no. any of you actually get the chance to watch any no. of this? No. Cool. I watched the trailer for New Era. Cool. Oh, Mike. <laughs> I need to watch it. I really, I think I'm gonna enjoy it. We the first about, season is six episodes. We've known about this I, podcast I for how homework. many months? Okay, you're excused. Now. I don't know about you guys. I watched the whole season. It was great. Like, it was beautiful. The, Wait, first really? season? We started with He's the lying. Titanic, and then it kind of ended with a five-episode arc where Maggie Smith went on a whole rant about Israel and stuff. That wasn't yeah. expected. <laughs> so you really did watch the first season? Yeah. No. Oh, I watched yeah. oh. <laughs> That is not how season one ends. I watched half of the first episode. Hey, better than nothing. <laughs> It was pretty to look at, though. Yes, there are well, excellent visuals in the show. Imagine. That's one of its benefits. <laughs> well, given this, it takes place in the what is it, nineteen late teens, nineteen twenties ish time frame. Mm-hmm. I mean, it there's a lot with to the like. Sinking of the Titanic. And then so we go there's to the a war. Year, there's a year right there. <laughs> the war. There's a lot to like in that kind of that general time period, but um, again, we're we're it started with the sinking of the Titanic. We're like. What seven seasons in? Six. 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 And two movies. What's what's the time span? Like so, it starts in 1911, the sinking of the Titanic. 12. And 1912. Is that 1912? Yes. Yeah, it is 1912. That is 1912. Sorry, I'm helping to write a musical that starts in 1911, and the sinking of the Titanic is a part of it. Anyway, so 1912, um, and then it, the series ends in 19. Pre-World War Two. Are we all the way in the 30s by then? I didn't think we'd really hit the Depression. Like the late 20s, I think. Yeah. Um, and the Depression is an American thing, not a But I thought there were, like, thing. worldwide repercussions to the Depression. There were. I probably, were. but I couldn't there tell were. what they like, were. I feel, and, like, you know, I feel like we would have heard about um, <clears throat> Grandma, not Violet, other Grandma. American oh, grandma. yes, we would have heard about her. She um, would have had some issues with that. But then, yes, so it's pre-Depression, so I think late 20s is when the series ends. The movie, the first one, they have the royal family, and I have a trouble with this, because it's pre, like, Elizabeth, I think, is, like, tiny. Yeah, no, I think it's... At this point. I think it's Edward. I think it's the Nazi. It's the Nazi brother. I know that, yeah. but I'm because at the end of the series, it, he's that he's just started dating. What's her name? That he ended up advocating for Wallace Simpson. Yes, because she's a whole plot point. Um, yes, and a love letter between them is a whole plot point. So you know, that dovetails with the movie in a weird kind of not really way because then they just choose Princess Mary to focus on for some reason yeah. that no one can. Anyway, don't get me started with the movie, uh, the it, first one. And I don't know when the second one is set. Nineteen. Something. I would assume we must be hitting the thirties, but like they're still dressed vaguely twenties. But we've got to be hitting the early thirties at this point. Well, yeah, because okay. movies—they're making a movie at Downton. Yeah. So According to Wikipedia, the sixth and final season is the interwar period, which is around the thirties. The interwar oh. period is literally every time from nineteen nineteen to nineteen thirty-nine. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, but also no. <laughs> but I believe this is the one that's after the 1920s. Cause it's like, it does the election of 1923 in season five. Yeah, so we're in yeah. like the late 20th by the mm-hmm. end of the show. Yeah. Mid to late. Wow. I had to Google it. Yeah. I 
I, I was reading a little bit, and I still don't feel like I've read anything. I was actually distracting myself on um, a couple different forums by people talking about back and forth. I'm, I, which leads into a question for the two of you, um, because I really did not know any of the names. Um, I know, isn't Maggie Smith a Dowager Count? Wait, yeah, she, she is a Dowager Countess. Uh, which, respect, I love you, Maggie Smith. You're the only actress I actually recognize. Um, well, okay, yes. Well, that I personally on. recognize. No, no, no I know because maybe the there's another one I've seen, but yeah. Um, well, you have seen one from season one, but she doesn't show up anymore except for one random episode. Later yeah, on. Who was yeah. that? Um, Rose Leslie. Leslie, yeah. Uh, you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> Rose Leslie's in season one of Downton. She's yeah. pretty delicious. And this is her pre, well, her pre Game of Thrones. Like season six. She yeah, comes back for like one, one episode. Literally one final episode to like just put a little bow on Like a scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, who are the major players? <laughs> this is like a 15 person main cast. Who are the main players? Okay, this is a downstairs, upstairs. Everyone in the drama. house. Yeah, everyone in the house. They're the major players. So, the house. Abbey. Who are the biggest characters that we should be watching? No, no, you don't understand. You don't them. understand. In Downton Abbey. Okay, Downton Abbey is a house. This is a classic upstairs-downstairs drama. There's the family that lives upstairs. All of them are important. Mom, and then there's the downstairs. Mom, dad, dad's mother, three daughters, all of whom need to get married. Yes, and then there's the downstairs crew, which is everybody's servant. Butler, and they... housekeeper, maids, cook, kitchen maids. Yes. Under butlers. Yes. Okay, talk about the family then. The family? Okay. The Crawleys. Upstairs. Do we want to, <laughs> what do you want to know about the family? <laughs> Give us a cliff note. Who are they? The cro oh god. Who are they and why should we okay. care? Okay, clear something up for me right yeah. now. I haven't only seen half of an episode. Yes. Are these Crowleys related to the famous Alistair Crowley? We don't like know. No, 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 because Alistair Crowley is spelled with C-R-O-W-L-E-Y, uh, and although he might be related, they would quickly disavow him. Um, See, because I, I would watch a show about a house. That would be entertaining. <laughs> I would fully watch that. There probably is something out there. I want to see. Know. They're invented, let's be clear. Yeah. Um, there is no such place in England known as Downton Abbey. So why? Um, yes. Yes. It's like well, it's duh. Fiction. Yes, it is. I mean, you know. It's a fictional yes, television show. It, you know, it's Victorian yes. novel, but it's a TV show. Except it's not set in the Victorian period. It's set in the Edwardian period. Because, you know, yeah. why not? Um... The was set the is Crowley? in Hampshire. Yeah. Yes. 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 The Crowley family are doing their best to navigate, especially post season two and post war, the interwar period in which the aristocracy was severely declining mm -hmm. and has not recovered. Their entire way of life, this whole like we manage tenant farmers who still work the land with like their mules yeah. <laughs> is falling to pieces and it will not pay all of the upkeep on these farms, on their own big house, mm -hmm. on their lifestyle, all of that kind of thing. Yes. So it is a lot about how do we navigate this shifting society, especially post-war, and how that kind of yeah. shakes up the country a little bit with all of the socialism we start yeah. seeing. And the reason that it begins with the Titanic is because the heir to their title and to the house is on the Titanic. Yes, because and he does not survive. As we said, they only have three daughters, and the <laughs> wait, house wait, is in. Why doesn't he survive? What happened to the Titanic? Get out! Uh, yes. <laughs> they made a wrong turn. Quite literally. Yes, the oldest is. Yes, they only have three daughters. The lineage is written up in such a way that the eldest daughter cannot inherit. It has to go to the closest male relative. 
Mm-hmm. So it has also been planned since. Well, history. she could technically inherit one. Or, she could never inherit the title. She and the reason that she can't inherit the money is because of the entail, because it's all tied up together. That, yeah. that kind of sucks. Yeah, which isn't. That's the whole argument of season one is how can we get Mary to inherit because, well, she's still around, she's hard to marry off, and she ain't getting no younger. Well, so. also, does she not just deserve, like, what is the point of having to go to the closest male Correct. Politics? And so, who, is this, who is this character that needs to get married off? Is that, I keep seeing the name Mary. Mary, yeah. yes. Mary's the oldest daughter. Mary is it was getting a, up there. Yeah. She's hard to... It was understood that she was going to marry... Their the distant the... cousin who was going to inherit the estate to yes. keep everything, you know, keep the direct descendant in the picture, marry her off to yes. the closest male relative, keep everything in as neat of a line as they can manage it. Correct. They're not so closely related that the kids were going to come out with six fingers or anything. Not that they would have cared. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the Ameri- her American mother is very much like she deserves the money because it was once mine. Yeah, and her American mother is like, the... okay, when my father died, I got half of his money. Yes. Why is it that when I die your screwed up class system is going to keep my daughter from having her rights. Yes, her, the, her, but Mary's <laughs> dowager countess grandmother, who is very, very British and very, very aristocratic, is like, that's not how it works. She's not going to get the title, because women never get titles. And she's not getting your money because my husband was a jerk. <laughs> so if we can, you know, give yeah. her something, because she's difficult... We'll try. <laughs> but then it turns out that their new heir is Dan Stevens. Yes, and, and he's, he's the son of attractive. a country solicitor. <laughs> you know, I did see that he was in the cast now that I think about that. And is he better looking than he was at the end of Beauty and the Beast? Because when they yes. made that transformation, okay. I'd like, oh, he looked better furry. First of all, change it back. Dan Stevens is a dream. But not because he's necessarily beautiful, but because he's charming. There, it's both. It's he is. I mean, he's 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 attractive okay. physically. I see where we're going. Yeah, he with is it. physically attractive. This is okay. But there are plenty of cast members on both sides of the stairs who outstrip him in that number. He's got a charm though that will knock you to the floor, and it's unfair. Um, like he just says something, and it doesn't matter if he's trying to be nice or not, that whole dinner scene in season one where Mary thinks she's got one on him, where she's like, have you heard of the, um, what is that stupid, the- Theseus and the Sea Monster? Yeah. She's like, have you heard the Greek myth, blah, blah, blah. And she's trying to like, basically say, you're a sea monster, why would I marry you? And he's like, ha, joke's on you, I know the myth. And like, he says the nastiest thing he can with a frown on his face while eating dinner. And I'm just like, marry me. Because he's charming. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. That's the whole show. It's conversations. Yeah. Largely at dinner. Yes. If <laughs> so you, it's can, kind if of you cannot handle like people talking. Version of Star Trek in the next generation. Basically, yeah. yes. It is like Star Trek in the sense that if you can't handle people talking, yeah, you don't watch the show. But also... Yeah, like not... There are some war moments. You do see a couple of, you know, explosions and stuff when they're all in the trenches in France, but... Oh, sure, yeah. But yeah. that's not, by any means, the uh, driving force of this show. No. Oh, random, but I meant, to t- uh, I meant to tell you the other day that I did watch Cyrano. It's pretty good. Excellent. Um, not a, It's not a banger musical, of course, but like it was quite lovely. It's a musical? It is a musical. I didn't know. It sure is a musical. I didn't know until I checked it out, and they're Why like, did oh, we never get a you said it. Oh, it's a musical. Yeah. A musical Downton Abbey episode, that just would have been a little bit over the top. But 
As opposed to the rest of the incredibly understated television. The cast of Riverdale <laughs> opens up and I, comes through a portal into I cannot Lee. believe that on Netflix, when Done you like by the cast hover, of uh, Sabrina, when you hover over Downton yeah. on Netflix, and yeah. it's doing that little like three-word description that it shows you for every show, mm. cerebral and understated are two <laughs> words that are used to describe Downton Abbey no. on Netflix. Get out! I think are you serious? People, I think when people hear a British accent, they automatically think yeah. like, "Ooh, understated." When I first watched this, and I was <laughs> texting Tony my feelings, I was like, "I thought this was prestige drama." This was on PBS! <laughs> okay, but I'm just gonna clarify this. It is my favorite television show of all time. I watch it biannually. Ooh. Not biannually. What is that, twice a year? It can yeah. be either every two years or twice a year. Well, I mean twice a year. I watch it in the first three months of the year. I failed to do that this year. And I watch it in the last three months of the year. Every year. Um, so, she's not wrong. <laughs> However, <laughs> I did not watch it that way. I think I just, like, it is totally a soap opera, but I didn't care. Like, I was just like, I love all of this. No, Every no, single no, no, no. frame. None of this is not meant to say <laughs> that I, like, obviously yeah. I loved it. Right, yes. I'm just saying what I expected going in was not what I yeah. got. Yeah, and I don't know, like, to be perfectly honest, I caught Downton way too early. Like, I caught it literally in first season as first season was airing. So I have no idea how it gained traction as this, Oh, yeah, no, know, I just came to it last year. And so I had 10 years of everyone going, this is prestige television. Yeah, people do talk about it as if it is, like, you know. The smartest thing they've ever seen on television. And this it's is that not, BBC? it really is not. It, it wasn't, was it on the BBC? No. Yes. Okay. But, like, it's got In, in the UK. In the UK, but I think, the yeah. Prestige. Obviously, it was on PBS here, but I didn't remember if it was BBC or Channel I 4 or what. I think, oh, it may have been Channel 4. I don't remember. But the other thing that I have to say very hard here <laughs> because I want you to all understand the the crack historian me in me has to say this. It ain't real. No. Like no. it's not trying to be real. For one thing, it takes one viewpoint. The aristocrats. Yeah, okay. The downstairs people are characters and you're supposed to care about them and love them, but they are viewed entirely through the lens of the aristocrats because an aristocrat wrote the show. So, like... <laughs> you mean Julian Fellows is on the side of the aristocracy uh, yeah, here? Yeah, he's literally, like, descendants of a baron or something yeah. like that. Like, it's a... It's not supposed to tell you a great deal about history from an honest perspective. It's just saying some things happened and these people might once have lived in that time period and here's some stuff that they might have said at some dinners that might have been thrown. Yeah. Um, you know? <laughs> so just thinking... Although it feels know. realistic in that way that, like, you know, it feels true to how you would imagine them to... Yes, yes and no. I think it's um, plausible. Like I, think, I guess that's yeah. the word I want. Like, the plausibility like it feels is plausible. Yes, but I think one of the things that separates it from The Crown for me is that, like, even in The Crown's peak moments of drama... There are moments where I'm willing to roll up to um, Windsor Castle and fight the Queen for Diana. Like, I'm just yeah. like, girl. Even though I know, like, maybe it wasn't quite as I'm being shown because how could you have known that because you weren't really there with your right. camera crew. But, like, it, it, I don't know if that's just a change of mood or I don't know. But, like, 
the crown is well researched. Downton doesn't need to be. Like yes. they are but they're doing two different things. Yeah, they and are. And also right. like yes. nobody is ever going to dare to make a television show, at least not in the current era that we live in in our lifetimes, mm. that is like anti Diane. Just nobody is ever going to do that. But you know the the to veer off slightly, the crown did at least like push the line a yes, little like, bit. Like they didn't make yes, her into I this do under, like yes, shrinking violet. We can pop some of the mythology around it, but nobody yeah. is ever going to be like, I think Charles was right, actually. <laughs> no, but he was sympathetic, which I appreciate yes. because, yeah, anyway, we're not going there. Back to Downton. <laughs> and then downstairs. Who's your favorite downstairs person? That is such an unfair question because... <laughs> Who are your top three? My top three. That's easy. Okay. Um, Mrs. Patmore. I'm down for that. Um, because Mrs. Patmore starts off as the one-liner queen. Like, as soon as she tells Daisy, get that upstairs or I'll knock you down and serve your brain as fritters, on board. And I think that's episode one. So I'm it's just like, early. queen. Uh, so she's my favorite. Thomas is my second favorite because I love a complicated, dark character who's peak selfish and motivated by something that modern audiences can actually like dig into, even if they would never be him. As opposed to O'Brien and all of that? Yeah, as opposed to O'Brien, who I want to murder every time she's on screen because she's, she's just mean. <laughs> To be mean. I hate her so much. And then my third favorite, oh, I kind of have to say Mrs. Hughes. Mrs. Hughes is great. They're Even though Anna is well, Anna is Anna is Anna. So I that's hard. Yeah. Tie for Mrs. Hughes and Anna. Okay. We'll go there. As they both deserve. Yes, because I know that you're all about Anna, right? I do love you. I love Anna. I don't understand how Anna and Mr. Bates had to spend six seasons as the collective punching bag. They're there to the literally estate. bait the audience. Get out. <laughs> I had to, no, I'm serious. I, I remember, I broke this down for Jen once, and she texted me back. She's like, oh my God, I hate you. Because I, I was like, you do realize, like, their surnames are, like, their surnames for a reason. Like, the Crawleys aren't just the Crawleys because it sounds good. It's because they have to crawl to success throughout the entire show. The baits are there to bait you through the plot. I mean, like, Mrs. Patmore, you pat a cake more and more and more. I know, it sounds nuts. But, like, that's how... Mr. Fellows, <laughs> if you're listening, will you tell us if Tony's right? I could be completely wrong. I could Tag just be, them. Yeah. Tag them. I, yeah, I really could be buying into that a lot more than is there. But... Like, I think you're doing that, like, is it symbolism or is it just you want it to be symbolism? It's not even symbolism because that's not good symbolism. I mean, that's, that's crap, right? But this is a thing in, in like, um, there's a name for it and I can't remember what it is. But this is, is very common in, like... Um, Victorian British literature, um, especially, where you name the character based upon their role. So you would name a cook Mrs. Patmore because what is her job? It is to, you know. Personification? Well, just like our. Wait, how does Patmore have anything to do with cooking? Pat a cake, pat a cake. She, you pat yeah. more, pat more. Pat You're more. You're kneading more bread. Me, yeah, okay. const, yeah, I mean, you know. I, I, I thought maybe, but I'm like, no, that's weird. No, I mean, yeah, it's a good. And, you know, I now think, I gotta Google it. I mean, um, J.K. Rowling does a little bit of this in Harry Potter. I mean, if you look at, um, Tolkien does this in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and George Martin, even though he's not British, oh my God, it's all over the place well, in Game of Thrones. Well, you do Lord of the Roses, so. 
Yeah, right. So it's it's a co- it's a thing in fiction that uh, you know, and maybe again there are allowances like. It's not so. Di- it's not so different in like D and D. Now that I think about it, like D and D lore, mm-hmm. I mean, it, characters are named respectively, like particularly dwarves yeah, or right. gnomes. Yeah, they're named frequently after like their kind of like either family lineage or what their family's role was. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, character yeah. like in it, um, Flint Fireforge. What do you think they did? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go off on a limb and think. I think they worked a forge, but they could have been bakers. No. Get out. <laughs> so what's your, do you have any more questions? I'm curious. Yeah. Oh, no. Actually, we've run through them already really quick. I <laughs> am looking up inflammatory, unpopular opinions. <laughs> like favorite sister? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it, I did have a question about, like, some of the historical aspects of it. Like, you said it probably wasn't well-researched. Like, obviously, they're fictional characters. Like, I think well enough that, like, you know, they had to follow the war when they got to the war. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, yeah. you can't have basic the, yeah. historical acknowledgement. Yeah, like, stuff that you could just go, oh, yeah, I knew that to be true. But it's not, like, nitty-gritty, like, mm-hmm. no. I doubt he did. He opened a book of research at all, because he didn't have to. He just Wikipedia'd it. Well, he's lived in England, you know, his whole life, and he studied, you know, and he's a he's the baron. So, I mean, he has all these So who's the writer? Who is the... Julian Fellows... He is some member of the House of Lords. Um, yeah, he has some kind of weird aristocratic heritage, but mm-hmm. I don't remember what it is exactly. Fellows with an ES at the end. Correct. I found it. Yes. So, you know, I, in the look up Promogenitor to figure out exactly where he fits in, because I don't remember, and it's not really that high, and it doesn't really matter anymore, but, you know. Um, what was the historical question? No, I just... Yeah. Historical accuracy. I mean, do you think it's good... It is representative... Accurately representative of the... Arist- aristocracy. Ugh. Oh, ooh, oh, the, ooh. Because it makes me wonder a little bit, like when you watch certain TV shows, like things are. The I, I'm gonna say the Hollywood effect. Remarkably but. open to certain class things. Yeah, I would say that the whole point of of them, it is a romanticized view of the aristocracy yeah. because it's supposed to be like. Yeah, the, there are some Cinderella type moments in. Yeah. Down Abbey that yeah. don't necessarily like given how Diana was treated <laughs> as somebody who even was already like a very minor member of like the gentry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. D- Downton would have had her like winning the day yeah absolutely yeah. oh yeah she yes it would have been you know she would have gone through, through some stuff you know Edith um <laughs> But even the see, this is another thing. Even the sisters, you talk about this is one. Of, this is why I love the show so much because it it takes all of the tropes of the century that we call the Vic. Well, not really a century, but Victorian literature feels like it goes on for a century. Yeah. But everything that Dickens and all of those writers that we hear mm-hmm. of, everything that they did, he's doing, but for a TV show. So, for example, you have three sisters. All three sisters have their place. The oldest sister has to um, win, always, period. That is her role in the show. It's not her role in the family because realistically, oldest siblings don't always win. I should know. Um, The youngest sister has to be the flagrant one, the one that's, you know, just as beautiful as the oldest, but she doesn't have the responsibility of the oldest, so she can do whatever she wants and get away with it because she's daddy's favorite. She's, you know, And she's also got some of that youngest, like, I want to be, you know, I don't see why I have to follow the rules. Like, I'm going to... Yeah, but she's... I'm going to wear pants in the 20s. Yes, but she's also the sweetest about it because she doesn't have the pressure of the oldest. And then the 
middle sister, Jen's favorite. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> who, who, who? Edith. Edith is your classic middle child who, woe is me, why was I not born the oldest? My oldest sister is prettier than me. My younger sister is prettier than me. My younger sister is um, uh, kinder than me. My older sister is smarter than me. Woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. I won't lift um, a so finger to change that. Where does that, um, right, because she's the true aristocrat. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna go for that. So where does Daphne come into the mix? Daphne. The one that made out with the count. <laughs> Married the count eventually. <laughs> Couldn't find her glasses. What are you referencing? I totally got <laughs> I'm glad somebody. Didn't the wink give you. <laughs> I know it's. He's but what are you referencing? I don't know. Bridgerton. He's oh, asking about Daphne. I forgot about Bridgerton. First of all, <laughs> We'd be dealing with Daphne's descendants because they're two You're separate welcome. time periods. Yes, we literally went over this already. They're a hundred years apart. Oh. This is Andy we're talking about, though. So you knew this was coming, and I don't know how you all did not see it. How much? How? Okay, this show has been out for ten years. We're we spoiling it, just so you know. Okay. Scale of one to ten, how much does Sybil's death still hurt? Every time. Yeah. Every time. That episode is still the hardest for me to watch. Easily. Because I'm angry just thinking about it. It's it, again. That's another reason that the show excels. I told you I watch it twice a year and have yeah. since it aired. And Sybil's death is still yeah. this like it's as if I'm seeing it for the first time, even though yeah. I know it's coming. How does Matthew's death hit you? Quite differently than yours. Um, than it does you. I it the you. Because I'm a Mary Crawley apologist. I get it. I I understand. Listen, I love Mary, but I love Mary without Matthew as much as I love her. Maybe even a little bit more than I love her with Matthew. I continue to love her through all 60s. No, no, I know. I know. But I am a a huge fan of post-Matthew Mary. um, If only because she's free. And I like that. I like that she's able to have three men around her in a drawing room and her parents jokingly go, well, dang, she's had more quarter, more courtship here than she's ever had in her whole life. And she's laughing with them and like, she can go on it. She would have laughed with Matthew. Oh God, okay, okay, fine. But like, I don't know. There's something about post-Matthew Mary that's just charming to me. Pre or with Matthew Mary is just savage. And I like her for that too. So... (laughs) Clearly, our favorite character is Mary. Um, easily, yeah, yeah, she's easily my favorite character. I love her. Yeah, to death. To, yes, yes. Um, I should follow I, up on it. Some of the dissent on uh, Reddit that I picked up on earlier today was that some people are upset that Mary apparently ends up happy. That's because people don't. People think Mary is too mean. Especially she is. to poor little Edith. <laughs> she is. Who's never done anything wrong in her life. Okay. Clearly, okay. You have to give your version first. Clearly, much, Jen has I been much, in the fandom yeah. and knows. I, am much, I don't know anything about her. I don't actually I, know anything about fandom either, but I'm much kinder about Edith than Jen I just is. find her annoying. <laughs> and I realize this probably makes me unkind at heart, but like well, every single time Edith goes, somebody was mean to me again, I'm like, okay, and you're going to cry about it, and then you're not going to do anything. And then you're going to be surprised when it happens again next episode. 
Like, I don't like Edith until she gets the newspaper. Even then, Edith... Or at least I tolerate her more because she's at least, like, she is actively doing something. Like, she gets to have her own thing to control, which she has desperately wanted for the past four seasons. (coughs) Yeah, so I think the thing that I appreciate about Edith as a character is how she just doesn't give up. Like, and I think she's very tenacious, like, in the sense that in the, like, first couple of seasons, she causes all of her own problems. Um, You know, she just does. In the last couple of seasons, she causes her own problems. Well, okay, here's where you and I... To be fair, she has has input of other people helping who are enabling the problem to be caused. Here's where we verge, okay? So, in the first couple of seasons, yes, she causes her own problems... I mean, just constantly. I'm just like, girl, stop it. Then, you know, after Sir Anthony Strallen, <sighs> Google it. I'm not the worst. It. I, um, but even that was a causing of her own problem. Like they told you, girl, like leave him alone. He oh, he broken. He came back from the war with a broken hand. Like you don't want none of this. And she's like, but 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 but. And they're like, you don't want none of this. So when he leaves her at the altar. She throws a fit. And I'm just like, girl, girl, you were told. Like, you were told. Okay. But on the flip but side, the, one thing I hate about the that youngest is that, daughter. Like, nobody trusts Edith to make up her own opinion on this. Because she's an idiot. Like, there's a reason you don't trust Edith, because she's stupid. Because when we do trust Edith, watch what happens. What does Edith do? She finds herself (coughs) in the office of an editor of a newspaper who wants to buy her column. And she's like, yay. And he flirts with her. So she's like, double yay. Then she does some digging to find out that he's married, right? So she goes to his office, chews him out until he tells her. Tells her, my wife is insane. And once you have declared your wife insane, you cannot divorce her. Period. So, sorry. What does Edith do? She goes, oh my God, so you flirted with me because you wanted to? You poor soul. Let me date you out of sympathy. Stupid. Who trusts someone who's going to do that? So she does. What happens? She lays with him in sin because he's going to Germany to get divorced so that they can get married in Germany. Now, mind you, this is right around the time that a certain brown-shirted, spider-wearing group starts to stir and the Nazis kill her. Spoiler alert, it doesn't go well for him. Right, the Nazis kill her baby daddy. She wouldn't have been a baby daddy if she hadn't laid with the dude. Like Okay, but uh our girl Mary did also have premarital sex, as we may have pointed out once or twice previously on this podcast. Yes, but Mary has a murder snatch for her. So, you know, she you know she killed the Turkish diplomat by laying with him. You know, it's a thing. I, I get it. The murder snatch needs to be brought to justice. I, like how can we never hear about that? I mean, you do. that Here again, that's my point. And then they cover it up. They cover it up, and then they cover it up again. Because again, this is the structure of the show. Mary always wins. Always wins. So how does she win with the murder snatch situation? Her mother covers it up. And then when her father finds out about it several <coughs> seasons later, yeah. when it could do actual, like, not quite as much damage, but it could still yeah, do some, been some damage then. to her... Her father pays off the woman with a 50-pound note and goes, yeah, and if you ever tell anybody that you've um, 
you know, reneged on this agreement that you actually signed for, I will report you to the police. I'm just like, that's it? Whereas Edith has to go through sending her baby to Switzerland, or like having the baby in yeah. Switzerland, adopting the baby to a Swiss family, knowing her child is out there and trying to return to the land of the living amongst the English, hide her pregnancy from everybody. She doesn't succeed. Mm -hmm. Then she brings the baby back against everybody's yeah. <laughs> advice. Again, stupid. Um, <laughs> and then she tries to hide the baby on one of the farms. You see where this is going? Yeah. Edith can never win until the very, 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 very end in which she outranks everybody yeah. by marrying Will. I mean, do you think Edith's character is written dumb, or do you think, like... Like, is she dumb because she's written to be dumb? Yes. Like, well, yeah, but Mary is written to be smart. She's not actually all that intelligent. Yeah. She just is advantageous. Why? Because she's the oldest. She yeah. has to win. I mean, you know, it's a thing. I mean, her father is dumb. <laughs> If we're gonna talk about stupid original characters, original nimble Robert, yeah, Crowley. like Robert Crowley is the not the dumbest a man alive. <laughs> I think the only intelligent character in the show is Maggie Smith. Yes, because well, it's Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith, maybe O'Brien, maybe O'Brien. She's scheming. You have three. She is yeah. okay. Yeah, she's, yeah, she is. She's All right. yeah. yeah. I, I'm ready for this. Yeah. Are we? Are we? What? I, well, no. I was. We were chatting a little bit about like the snot or the uh, the smack. Oh, God. We didn't even get to discuss Tom Branson. Well, go for Branson. Branson's my favorite. Why is he your favorite? Branson, yeah. So, okay, so I said Mary's my favorite character. Branson's actually my favorite character. That's Branson okay, because is, you having Tom and me having Mary yeah. works incredibly well. Now, <coughs> you may or may not have heard Tony describe, you know, the kind of men that Tony tends to date. But, mm -hmm. you know, a honk once, if you, this sounds familiar, paler than the sun... <laughs> Beautiful, bright red hair, brassy as like he's got an attitude and is not afraid to use it. And I don't know what, I don't, he's very good looking, but like, I don't know what it is about him that I just find I so I was hard. literally about to say, I'm right here. And then they said brassy, you know, like, okay, never mind. He's hardworking. What's his name? Tom Branson. He's hardworking. He's, he's actually intelligent because he reads yes. far above his station and writes well and you know yes i don't know he's just and he's smart enough to not get arrested in a socialist plot to murder the king oh god that movie <laughs> that plot all of it <laughs> oh alan leach yeah i don't know he just i don't know if it's because the he's well acted i mean they're all well acted even i mean yeah. they're pretty even performance but i feel like Branson like, just like gets good stuff to work with yeah and he is yeah. the sort of like wish like when we talk about plausibility and how is this, if the aristocracy would act, he is the, you have to suspend, <clears throat> like, granted, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not like an immediate acceptance into the family once he marries Sybil. No, and he has to have a kid first, yeah. you know. But, like, even, but even after Sybil's death, like, they could have turfed him out the door, kept the baby, and kept going, which is ah, probably yes, but you Ah, yes, but you forget the American mother. Yes. Who knows how it feels to be a stranger amongst the aristocrats yeah. of Britain, who yeah. doesn't quite understand, and she's like, you know, and her husband's a himbo, remember, he's yeah. kind but stupid. So she says, if you ever throw my son-in-law and his daughter, my granddaughter, out on the street, I will make your life. <laughs> yeah, I will be going with them. Yeah, right. So, you know, 
due diligence is done, but you're right. It, it's it's definitely a stretch. Yeah. Um, Especially like yes, the please. whole again, I, the I love it, but like the he marries what like the cousin's secret daughter. Tuppence Middleton, in the movie. Yeah, you know what? That's the different. Let's talk about slightly differences between the movies and the the show. Now, I have not seen the new movie. I'm excited to go see yeah, it. Yeah, I'm very it much. It looks ready to like go. a romp, but the who did Maggie Smith sleep with in France? Yeah, in the right. House? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> no, Wait, what? Yeah, that is that's in that's the trailer. That's the plot. Yes, <laughs> that has um, been revealed. I want to know because here's the thing: the movie, the first one, diverges from the show in tone for me because it just it doesn't it, it forsakes all plausibility like completely like and I knew they were going to do it but I didn't know they were going to do it that hard like once you have royals coming to Downton plausibility out the window but it just leaned in even harder and I was just like okay fine the show always did it, its homework. It finally stopped putting Anna and Bates through the misery ringer. That's true. And I think that's another part. I mean, I don't know. You don't wanted know them to be miserable no, again? No, not them in particular. But, like, I feel like the, 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 the formula that you have to have for a movie as opposed to a TV sh- series is so different okay. that he did really well with this show when it was a show and middling when it was that's a movie. fair. There's just more room to breathe in the TV series. Yeah. Um, so you can have your housemaid meet the love of her life, have him find out he's married, unsuccessfully obtained a divorce, successfully obtained a divorce, get arrested for murdering the wife, <laughs> get exonerated for murdering the wife, have her get arrested, also for murdering the wife. Still. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Finally get both of them out of jail and married to each other. Yeah, the one murder of that... And then she keeps losing their babies. Yeah, the one murder of that one wife... Oh, yeah, we yeah. didn't even get to the, the sexual assault that happens out of nowhere that I still... Oh, God, like, I hate that. I'm like, why? I hate yes. when, like, rape is just a random plot point like yeah, that. Five like, minutes. thrown in just to make things more complicated. So I have to make this clear. Everybody lost their ever-loving minds when Sansa happened right yeah and i always found that to be just so like i'm like do y'all watch this show this is a show that has some kind of minor sexual assault happening on screen every episode i think the more let alone we saw this coming with sansa like just because joffrey didn't do it doesn't mean that like it wasn't coming like i don't know how you didn't see that coming it wasn't random it wasn't unforeseen it was baked into the west like the westeros like plan in of action. the show though but like it's that's what i'm saying the show, yeah but not the book maybe i don't know if that's not, i don't completely know. separate plot i don't yeah. know but the point is that like and the same thing happened with cersei where people are like but that's ridiculous and i'm like it, it literally it's every not, single episode <laughs> like it just isn't in downton abbey there's no reason Literally none at all. They just decided to go to have a sexual assault plot with this particular character. If you had had a different character come on, because that is one thing the show does with the downstairs crew, because it's constantly shifting, because that's what would have really happened. Again, aristocratic view of the world. Um, So you have characters come on, and the one made her whole purpose is to show that Robert cheats on his wife. Or at least once. Or is yeah. capable of it. Like, he's not infallible. He's not holy. He is not perfect. He cheated on his wife with a maid. Yeah. Um, so, and then she's gone. You never see her again. You don't really ever care. 
other characters have this. The one um, housemaid is literally meant to to show how difficult it is to be a, a upwardly mobile woman if you're already poor and then you have a baby out of wedlock. Yes. Like, so why they couldn't just bring in another housemaid to have the sexual assault conversation? Because the show is constantly saying, here is how women in this decade that we're exploring would have lived life from all angles. Yeah. Why they didn't just bring in a housemaid to make that point and they had to have it happen to a major character, it's, it's a little thin to be like, well, because she, you would have felt it more. No, because Bates and Anna are the misery <laughs> porn of this entire show. Like, yeah, literally, right. until... Yeah. Literally, she does not give birth until the series finale. <laughs> yeah. Like, they are finally happy in literally the last three minutes of the entire series. Well, you know, it's true. Um, so, yeah. Like, I, everyone I, else... Because, like, the thing is, everyone else at least gets, like, highs and lows. Mm-hmm. And Anna and Bates are like, here's a shovel and we're going to keep digging. <laughs> they bait you along the plot, though. They really, really do. They get you. Like, you I just know smack. that when everyone else has been a little too happy this episode, I'm like, something bad's going to happen to Anna and Bates now. Except the one episode where it happened to Sybil. Uh, fair. <laughs> Can we make you two unhappy? <laughs> Go. What's the smack? It means nothing to me, but I hope it riles your feathers. I hope it does. Ruffles your feathers. Um, Edith, Mary, and Matthew Crawley. Ooh. Oh wait! Well, you kill Edith. Oh, well, you, you kill, kill Edith. Edith. Yes, because yes. Wasn't <laughs> she nice? No, no. <laughs> that's the part. That's even worse. She's not only is she like woe is me, and then she's dumb, but she's also rude. Like it's yeah. like, girl, really? Like at least Mary is like cutting, like yeah. funny, like right. kind of witty. Edith yes. is just kind of terrible. Edith is just mean. Like she's like, oh okay, I'll get one over on you, and then she does, and then wants to whine about it. When you get over on her, like, girl, sit down. Um, Edith doesn't know how the game is played. Because, well, yeah, exactly. So you kill Edith. You can make it look like an accident because her stupid behind would have done it anyway. We're probably going to differ here. I feel like I personally would just enjoy a marriage with Matthew long term. Like, long term, that feels like Mm -hmm. the red call for me personally, which means I get one really excellent night with Mary. Hopefully not the same way that things happen to Mr. (laughs) Pamela. Honestly, Yes. That is, that is, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I love Matthew. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. just, he's so good. Yeah. He's See, what I was going to try to do to you was Matthew Branson, Wait, what's his you? face, who Edith marries. It's five o'clock, yeah. Matthew Branson. Birdie? Birdie. Okay, first of all, kill Birdie. <laughs> kill the Marquis, start a war. Um, start a war? <laughs> I would you marry would... Tom. Yes, I know you would. Yeah, and have fun with Matthew though like I would be like Tom give me a week because Matthew cannot be done in a night okay like give me a week <laughs> see I feel like we agree on who to kill and then we would just flip flop flip flop for her to marry yeah. yeah yeah because Birdie's boring yeah if we were to change it up really quick and go uh, Edith Mary and Sybil you still kill again you kill Edith <laughs> I would probably marry Mary home. in that regard would you still marry Mary I would marry Mary but you know who I am. Yes, so you long, would marry Mary. And that's well. what surprises me. I, Sybil, I, I thought love Sybil. was going to be so much more your character. And no. 
the savagery no, that is I Mary. imprinted on Mary like a really baby duckling. Um, From I, like moment one, I was like, that's the girl. That's I for me. I think I would marry Sybil because that would, pr- if I could convince Sybil to marry me, that would prove that I'm actually a quality human being. That's fair. Because, you know, if Sybil can... Mary and I would have a lot of fun together. Yeah, that's true. Well, oh God. I can't <laughs> imagine. Oh my goodness. How would you like to unleash that on the world? The monarchy would shake and seize. Yeah. They would have to. Good. Was, you know, the Windsor, the House of Windsor would have thought that they had been thrown for the rest of the time. <laughs>